stepped out in front of a fast moving car to just end it. Cause at the, at the time that was the only thing that I could see to get me out of this dark tunnel that I was in. And I'm like, I mentally committed. I was like, I'm just going to take this step and everything's going to go away. And then I went to take the step and like, call it divine intervention, call it the universe, God, whatever my feet would not move. There were like two cement blocks and I couldn't move and the car passed. And I was just like, that was a wake up call of like, I just about did something that I can't take back. And so that was the point where I recognized that I really had to start healing some of my wounds and uh, emptying the skeletons out of my closet. Hello, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I'm your host, Jamila Burney, and together we will be stepping into our highest potential, exploring all things mind, body, and soul with just a smidge of business. You're a spiritual badass, soulpreneur, and a warrior for change. You're ready to expand your impact and leave your old self behind in order to raise your vibration so that you can positively influence your business, your community, and ultimately, the world. Without further ado, let's dive right into it. I have with me here today, Tiffany. She's an NLP coach, and she works with others to help rewire their mindset to overcome self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. She is a self-love advocate, and she's doing all kinds of wonderful things in her business. And I can't wait to hear more about your story, Tiffany, and I can't wait to share your story with the audience. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I am very, very impressed with what I have seen and what I've learned about you so far in the past couple of weeks that we've been connected. Um, She has an amazing story of overcoming and creating an amazing, what, seven-figure business now on the six. We're, we're on the way to seven <laughs> on the way on the way to seven but she is killing it um so tiffany can you just give me a little bit of a synopsis of your life what your what brought you to where you are now absolutely so for me i mean it really started in childhood where i think a lot of overbecoming stories do whether we want to believe, want to admit it or not Um, for me, I, my mom left my biological dad when I was three months old. She didn't want that life for me. He was emotionally abusive. I would hazard a guess to say he was physically as well. Um, and even after she left, he broke into our house three times, held a knife to her throat in the middle of the night, threatened her and everything. And he had joint custody of me. So every second weekend I had to go with him. And he appeared on the outside to change for a while. And really, my issue wasn't so much with him. It was the company that he kept. And so he started dating a woman who is actually a domestic violence survivor. Uh, and I, this is why I'm so passionate about that topic and that cause, because I know how domestic violence can get passed on through the generations when it's not healed, because ultimately, she saw me as a threat. The weekends when I wasn't when I wasn't there, she got all of his attention, all of his love, and then I was there, and he was he doted on me. He did everything he could to buy my love, and she didn't like that. So it started with being burnt with curling irons and locked in closets. Uh, she had been telling me for years that um, strangers hated blonde-haired, blue-eyed girls and would kill them if they saw them, and so. One day I wasn't even like, I wasn't a loud child. I wasn't a bad child. I was just like, I was one of those kids who was always in the spotlight and just naturally got attention, right? It was like the the light like naturally shone on me. And so I was just playing with my, uh, with my cousins one day and she thought I was annoying. So she put me in the car and drove me to the outskirts of the city and just said, get out. Like, I'm just going to leave you here for a stranger. 
And I was seven and I begged for my life because she'd been telling me for so long that, you know, a stranger was going to kill me. So eventually they moved to the other side of Canada. And so I didn't have to see them anymore. Um, and in my mind, I think I kind of knew she was broken. So I didn't really hold it against her. I did hold it against my dad though, because he, he was never there to protect me. And then he chose her over me. And as soon as he moved, it's like, he just eventually, you know, he would call once a week and then once a month and then like maybe on my birthday or Christmas and then nothing for years. I didn't want to be another girl with daddy issues though. So I like sought to find control in any way that I could in my life. I had an amazing stepdad. So I became this ridiculously overachieving perfectionist to show him that I was good enough to be his daughter and for him to stick around. I developed eating disorders so that I could have control over my body and how it looked um, and my relationships. I'm sure this is not a surprise for anyone listening. <laughs> my romantic relationships were terrible. My friendships were terrible. People walked all over me. I was a total doormat. I settled for boyfriends who would make me feel like crap. And it all kind of came to a head I had moved to Australia to escape the small town life because I was this huge overachiever. I'd kind of got boxed in as this like goody goody who couldn't do no wrong. And I was like, that's not who I am. I want to be a rebel. So I just up and moved to a different country. And um, I started dating someone there and three months or three years later, sorry. Uh, the day I found out I was pregnant was the day I found out he had a girlfriend in another state and my, like my entire life collapsed and I just felt this spiral happening. Didn't have enough money to fly home and see my family or, or move, even move back. Um, so I was just kind of stuck there to deal with it by myself without my parents for the first time, which was a huge eye opener. Couldn't eat or sleep for like two weeks. So I ended up having a miscarriage. Luckily, I wasn't very far along, so I didn't have a lot of time to get overly attached to it. But it was still that moment of like, there is a tiny human growing inside of me. And then all of a sudden, it's gone as soon as I kind of get used to the fact that I'm about to be a mom. And so then that took me to a whole other emotional low. And the very few friends that I had left after the breakup were doing their best to be supportive of the breakup, but doing that whole like, oh, I knew he was a loser. Like, do you remember the time he did this? And I was like, this is not helping me. <laughs> like, it's just making me feel like a bigger loser for <laughs> dating such a loser. Right. So um, when I had the miscarriage, I actually didn't tell anyone for six months. Like I just, I was so ashamed. I just didn't tell anyone. And I almost stepped out in front of a fast moving car to just end it. Cause at the, at the time that was the only thing that I could see to get me out of this dark tunnel that I was in. And I'm like, I mentally committed. I was like, I'm just going to take this step and everything's going to go away. And then I went to take the step and like call it divine intervention, call it the universe, God, whatever my feet would not move. There were like two cement blocks and I couldn't move and the car passed. And I was just like, that was a wake up call of like, I just about did something that I can't take back. And so that was the point where I recognized that I really had to start healing some of my wounds and uh, emptying the skeletons out of my closet. And at this point, what were you doing for work when you were in Australia? I was actually working as a personal trainer uh, in a gym. And so I, yeah, I'd just go to work, train clients, and then I'd kind of come home and just sit and look at things with my, like, sit and look at a wall with my dog and just ask, like, <laughs> how, how did I get here? But you have always been kind of inclined to be, like, helping people, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I started when I was 14 training people to feel more comfortable in their skin, and I thought it was through health and fitness, and then through that breakdown, which really was a breakthrough for me in Australia. I recognized that if I really want to help people, it needs to be from the mind first. So, yes. Uh, so what did, well, your first kind of steps that you started to take? I did the traditional like counseling route, booked in to see a psychologist. Um, and I mean, I did, it wasn't all bad. 
in that up until that point, I hadn't really recognized that what my stepmom did was abuse. For me, it was just kind of like, well, that was my life. And it wasn't until she said, well, if that, if those things were happening to another kid, like, would you go and burn a kid with a curling iron? Would you go and lock a kid in a closet? And I was like, no, that's, a, that's terrible. And she was like, well, then why isn't it terrible if it happens to you? So I'd say that was like the biggest breakthrough I had from counseling after we finished like five sessions. She was like, there, don't you feel better now that you've told your whole story to somebody? And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> Every, everything that I pushed down is just like up on the surface now. Um, so she, uh, yeah, she kind of got this, the process started. Then I got invited to a personal development event. Uh, it wasn't Tony Robbins, but it was that kind of like raw, raw style, um, which was great for the weekend that I was there. And like the first week, maybe even month after, because I met some friends and we would catch up and hold each other accountable for a week or a month. And then life kicked in and everything went right back to where it was. So I hired a life coach, um, who is good. Just. I think for me, like I'm a science person. So if I understand the science behind something that I understand how to make it work for me and she would just give me tasks and be like, okay, do this. Just stand in the mirror every day and tell yourself you love yourself. And I was like, that is the dumbest idea ever. So <laughs> not knowing that like tone and body language mattered, I'd get up there and I'd be like, I love you. I love you. And then couldn't figure out why nothing was changing. So six months later, I was like, this isn't working. Ultimately, it led me to find a woman who taught NLP. And then she had created a more therapeutic branch of NLP called Matrix Therapies. And that that profoundly changed my life. And so that's what I use with my clients today and what I teach other people. And um, what would you say, like, your, how is your spiritual mindset? That's a good question. I've actually, the more like I think back to my childhood, the more I've always been quite spiritual. Um, when I was little, I thought that meant religion. Like I, I, I just, I knew that I needed something bigger than me. And so I thought that that was religion. I grew up in a town with a lot of Mormons. Um, and my family was just worried I was going to be brainwashed into something that I didn't fully understand. So like I was fascinated. I would go to these like Bible study sessions and learn. And I was fascinated with what I was learning. But then, yeah, my parents were just a little bit like, oh, is she being brainwashed? Uh, so they kind of cut that off. Um, and then even like when I was in high school and college, like meditation and yoga back before it was even like a popular thing, like way, way back. I would look into it and do it. And I knew that like exercise, nature, those were all things that I needed as a regular part of my, of my life. And I didn't really fully come to understand it until I went to Australia. I, I'm from like the Texas of Canada, which is like very conservative and like, we don't look at our emotions type cowboys and cowgirls. Australia was, was a good place for me to go because it is very spiritual there and so I could explore crystals and Reiki and energy healing and all of that things of that nature without feeling like judged or or worried about anything so I think yeah. that's why my that, that's why my soul was like you have to go to Australia it's your spiritual journey <laughs> yeah it was calling you <laughs> oh totally was <laughs> And remind me again, how long were you in Australia? For eight years. So I went just for like six months was the initial plan. And then I didn't leave until eight years later when I was kind of forced to. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so how long, how long ago was the matrix therapies training? That I took uh, four, four years ago. Was that kind of like the main beginning of this like expansion? Absolutely. The first conversation that I had with Pitt Mackay, I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, I know this is what I need to be doing and I'm just going to follow this. And so I, I, I had already been doing some mindset coaching. I had taken some coaching courses after 
the psychologist and some of the raw raw events and when I did matrix therapies, I was like, this is what I'll be using with all my clients moving forward. Like this, this is what everyone needs to experience. Yeah. And you guys, I actually had a session with Tiffany and it was great, which it's funny because I, you know, I do NLP as well, but a different uh, lateral than what she does. And it was really quite a different experience. So um, if you are interested in having a session with her, you're definitely going to want to do that because it will open your eyes to all kinds of different realities. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's it never ceases to amaze me like how quickly it works and how profoundly it works for people. Like I'll check in with my clients the day after a session and they're like, holy crap, like all this stuff happened. Like, you know, when I checked in with you and you're like, all this stuff just like <laughs> manifested overnight. And I was like, that's what I love. <laughs> that's what happens. I mean, because truly, you know, healing in order to heal, you have to even figure out what you're healing from. And so often we don't know, we have no clue what that trigger event was that created this limitation in our lives and that's something that you know tiffany helps with now in um in her work is helping you find okay where was that actually coming from was it even coming from me was it coming from someone in my lineage was it someone you know one of my ancestors which for me it ended up being like my great great grandma it wasn't even me so how was I supposed to know until diving into it what that is? Yeah, I think like now is such an exciting time to be in a healing process because we are learning so much about the mind, the body, the soul, how emotions and belief systems are passed down through the genes, how things from two generations ago or even two lifetimes ago can affect our soul in this life. And that we actually don't have to keep playing out that story. Like we can change the story at any point in time. Yeah. And I love that you come from it from like the scientific standpoint. That's really what drew me into NLP as well was more of the science behind it. I had seen all of the super woo woo, you know, hippies growing up and I totally just disconnected from that whole scene. <laughs> So it's like, where's yeah. the proof here, guys? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I've done so many talks where people will come up to me after and say, you know, I saw a, pre a presenter last week or last month that said like the exact same things that you did, but they were like, they came spiritual first and then attempted to sprinkle in some science. And you're like science first to like open the door of the mind and be like, okay, this stuff is legit. And then you throw the woo woo at us and we're like, well, we've already got the science, so it has to be. <laughs> so I think it opens a lot more doors for people. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. So Tiffany also has a book that she wrote. Can you tell us a little bit about your book and what kind of inspired this book? Absolutely. So my book is called Stop Being a Selfish Bitch, a comprehensive guide to living your best life through radical self-love. So it is a very ironic title. Um, and I chose it because I, the, for me, so being called a selfish bitch was like the thing that a lot of people use to control me through my life, to get me to, you know, not move to Australia or not move to Dallas or not to, you know, travel the world or do the things that I felt like I needed to do. And especially it was used in my last business that I ran in Australia. I was in business with a couple of narcissists and I loved coaching. I would filter it into what we were doing in our businesses as much as possible. We were working with a lot of athletes, so I could. And when I would you know, have to go home at five o'clock because I'd scheduled in a coaching client for me that night, I'd get a guilt trip about it. And I'm like, I've been here since 6am. Like, it's cool if I go home and do something else with my time. Doesn't, you know, if I was walking the dog, you wouldn't complain but because I'm coaching. So I really found like, that was this like gray cloud that was always over my head that anytime I was following my heart, I was being a selfish bitch or following my soul. 
And I ended up losing everything because of those narcissists that I was in business with. Um, they were doing some shady stuff on the side and it ended up the, the blowback impacted me. I was forced to resign, lost my ability to live and work in Australia. I had to move back to Canada and I had a three month gap of selling everything off and packing everything up and, and moving back home and finishing up some courses, courses that I was doing. And in the process of figuring out like, what am I going to do? I had a lot of conversations and the Alberta economy at that time was only just recovering from recession. And like I said before, it's highly conservative. Nobody wants to talk about their emotions, especially coming out of a recession. So I had people telling me like, no, nobody's going to pay you for that. Like, no, it's not a good business model. Not a good idea. You'd make a great receptionist. And I was like, ah, oh, I just like, yeah, you're probably right. Like I've never been able to fully support myself on coaching because I never had attempted to before. And I was journaling one day and I said, you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And this answer just kind of came like, you know what fear and self-doubt and self-sabotage sounds like. You know what that life looks like. You've been living it literally your entire life. So what would happen if you just took those things, you just put them up in a, sh in a box on the shelf and for 365 days straight, you just decided to go all in on yourself. What would that look like? And then I recognized that the people who get coaching with me, their life is profoundly changed. Like I had, and when I was doing this journaling session, I had just finished working with a client who had faced a lifetime of abuse. She had been sexually abused by her dad. She'd been beaten up by her mom. Uh, she'd been married three times. Her first husband was like psychotic, abusive, physically, sexually, everything to her and her daughter. Her second husband ended up being a pedophile who sexually abused her kids, like just this horrible life full of abuse. And in her last session with me, we were going through the clearing process and I looked down to take notes and I looked up and like her face had changed. Like, I kid you not, she had lost 20 years off of her face. And I just, I completely lost track of where I was in the session. And I was just like, like I was just like, what, what just happened? It was, sorry. It was the first time that uh, I had that experience where I saw somebody have the physical change as a result of of um their clearing and that was still like super fresh in my, my mind and when i checked in with her the next day she was like no i used to love singing and i haven't been able to sing in years and i got in the car and like my favorite song was playing and i just belted out the song at the top of my lungs and it was awesome and like she's like i just had this huge like sing along the whole way home thank you so much and as i was journaling that to myself i just recognized like there's people out there who haven't met me yet who need the gifts that I have. And I'm a strong believer that we each have a gift. We each have a message, our story, whatever it is that we're meant to use to change the world. And it doesn't matter if it's coaching like you and I do, or if it's, you know, baking the best apple pie and making somebody's day that way or doing the best tire change or oil change. <clears throat> and I recognize that, if I chose to give in to my fear and my self-sabotage, my self-doubt and the, what everyone else was telling me and that belief that if I followed my heart that I was being a selfish bitch, then I was actually being a selfish bitch because I was taking away the future and the healing and the changed lives and the transformation from all those people who are yet to meet me. And so stop being a selfish bitch actually started out as my personal project. I decided that I was just going to go all in on myself. I started out uh, for the first four months with a video, like a daily video diary, where I just documented, here's everything that I'm doing. I'm submitting articles to Addicted to Success or to Elephant Journal or to this or to that. I'm asking for these speaking opportunities. I'm sending 20 emails a day to connect with people and get new clients or get, you know, whatever. And midway through last year, somebody said to me, I think you need to make this a book. And I was like, I can't call a book. Stop being a selfish bitch. Like I just, I can't. And then 
the universe just kept showing up for me. And like every time I went on Amazon or, or Audible, it was like the subtle art of not giving a fuck or, or <laughs> unfuck yourself or like all these other books that had swear words in the title. And I was like, okay, I get it. I can put a bitch <laughs> in the title. So yeah, so that's where it came from. I love it. And I'm, I'm so excited to read it when it comes. <laughs> yes, I'll get it on this way to you. Um, so I have a lot of people who are entrepreneurs on here. Um, just real quick, what would be your number one tip that you would give for to someone who's been thinking about writing a book? Just start. And like, it doesn't have to be perfect. That's what the editing process is for. Like so many people that I talk to, they're like, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know what to say in chapter one. So even though chapter five's in my head, I can't write chat. And I'm just like, just like, just start wherever. Right. I thought that I was going to have a specific order to my book. Totally changed. Just write it. And for me, like my mind goes really fast. So I didn't actually write my book. I voice recorded my book when I'd be out walking the dog or when I'd be visiting my parents who lived four hours away, I would just like turn on the voice recorder while I was walking or driving. And I would just talk, I like just talk and talk and talk. And then I sent it into rev.com. They transcribed it all. And then and I just sat down and like edited it. Um, not so much for the content, uh, for the context, but the content. And then I sent it off to an editor and she did all like the fancy stuff. Making it look all pretty. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I like that uh, tip to the recording because that's actually something that I do sometimes just for myself. Like instead of like a daily journal, I'll do like a daily voice recording because I'm the same way. Like my brain is moving so fast that I can't always like get it down on paper. <laughs> I know. I wish my hand could move as fast as my brain went because <laughs> I've lost so many good ideas attempting to write things down. And then I'm like, no, wait, what was that? <laughs> oh, girl. So same. So, <laughs> so um, you do talk about journaling a lot and I'm a, I'm a big believer in journaling, especially when it comes to like the manifestation process. How long have you been implementing journaling into your life? Uh, I go, I think I go through phases where I stop journaling, but honestly, like it was like diaries, dear diary when I was little up to like journaling now. So I, I don't think there's ever really been other than the times where I like, you know, forget to journal or need a new journal or whatever um I've always journaled yeah I'm the same I used to always do the little diary things with the with the little locks on them too <laughs> yeah yeah I um I they're really great for manifesting and I think they're also really good for healing like I tell my clients to get two journals a dumping journal that they keep with them all the time and when they're having a bad day, they can just go to that. They can swear, they can scribble, they can, you know, whatever they need to do and then burn it because there's something really cathartic about like taking the emotion and making it physical on paper and then just watching it go up in flames and recognizing, uh, and recognizing like, okay, it's gone now. Yeah. And it's almost like a little ritual. I mean, you know, some might relate it to witches <laughs> it's like right. a little it's like a little ritual Absolutely. Um, getting rid of getting manifesting the energy into the physical and then releasing it <laughs> yeah yeah uh so tell me about how mentorship has played a role in your life i know you are an advocate for it, given the fact that we met in a mastermind group. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I think it's so important, like, for me, and choosing the right mentor, like, don't just have a mentor for the sake of having a mentor. Um, I've had some good mentors, and I've had some terrible ones. Um, so recognize, like, what is your intention for working with that mentor? And what is their intention for working with you? Um, I have had a couple clients come to me recently who were like, oh, I had this coach, but it kind of started feeling like they were coaching me for their own ego. And I think that especially 
Like I know my coaching journey, I totally started out in coaching from ego. Like, oh, well, I got you these results. So, you know, um, whereas now I'm like, my clients have experienced this and I've facilitated a process. I'm just happy for their breakthrough. Right. Um, so yeah, know what their, what their intention for mentoring you is as well. I think it's important to stand on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. Like you can cut your learning curve so fast if you know what not to do, if you know the mistakes not to make. Um, so obviously I'm in the one mastermind with you right now. And then I have another, um, mentor in Marshall silver and I just look at the way he set up his business. He's happy for me to ask him questions. And then I mirror or model my business off of his and it's hugely taken off. So, I mean, if somebody has already spent thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars on creating a business and messing up, like if you can get those lessons without spending the hundreds of thousands of millions, like you're so far ahead. Yeah. Now in the, in the coaching industry, it can be interesting because there are all different kinds of people, just like you're saying, <laughs> um, who are entering into the industry. So what would be like a, what, what's your screening process? For me to, to hire a mentor? Exactly. Um, I need like a good energetic vibe from them and I need a good first impression, but I like to, I'm an observer. So oftentimes I will watch someone come in the room and see how they greet other people, see how they show up around other people, not just when they're attempting to sell me. So, um, it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of like a first date. Like I'm engaged now when I was dating after that one breakup, I decided that when I started dating, I was going to do it different and like not do the formal dinners where you're sitting across from each other and it's super awkward and both on your best behavior. And so for me, what I found was I would say like, let's do something different. You think of a different idea, whether it's mini golf or like I've done like mini golf, rock climbing, ghost tours, winery tours, like all sorts of stuff for first dates. And it gives you an idea of who that person is. And I think it's the same with a mentor. Like, see if you can get them in a situation where you can kind of witness them in their more unconscious behavior and see what comes up for you. I know that in some cases, it's not always like that. Um, and so then I look at, you know, what is the reputation? What a what do people that I respect who know them have to say? Uh, and what is the impact that they're leaving on the world? Like, are they doing this to make millions so that they can just go sit in Mexico and sit margaritas? Or do they genuinely care about making change in the world? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a uh, huge with, you know, the mentorship group that we're in um, and really, you know, knowing the intention behind someone's actions is something that sometimes it's like more of a gut kind of instinct response. It's one of those things that you have to really lean into your intuition um, totally. as far as how the feeling of that manifests. Now to jump backwards in your in your journey uh so I just had a question pop up in my head um when you were first really deciding to go all in you were first really launching your business uh what were some of those first things that you started to do before you had like all of the connections that you have now um I think I've always been an outside of the box thinker. So that has benefited me really well. So I did a couple of different things. I put on a workshop for myself. I started putting out a lot of content on Facebook, just adding value to people. 
Uh, and then I later learned that you, that's the best way to get clients. So I was like, oh, perfect. I'm already doing this. Um, and then I really wanted to, I knew that I could leverage other people's databases. So because I moved back at Christmas time, I knew that like new year's resolutions were going to be a big thing for people and mindset was going to be the number one thing that killed all of those. Right. So I reached out to gyms, yoga studios, Pilates studios, chiropractic clinics, um, any, anything in like the fitness space that's really like impacted January 1st with all the new year's resolutions. And I just offered like a free 60 minute talk. And then I'd present like very basic NLP concepts, but add a ton of value to people. And then say, you know, if you want all this information that I've talked about with a quiz to figure out like what learning style you are, if you leave me your email, I'll send you my ebook. And so then I built my list that way. I don't think I've ever done a talk where I haven't had at least one person sign up to be a client. And then that led to referrals and then, you know, just nurturing the database, sending out weekly videos about uh, just different topics until I hit on the one that got the person to buy. So it was, it was a lot of legwork initially. I still find it to be the best though. Like even now, like I still find, you know, doing like free little talks within the community as my way of giving back to the community always ends up like I've gotten corporate deals out of that. I've gotten like super high paying clients. I've gotten, I've had schools reach out to me and ask me to train their teachers. Like, yeah. So I just, I just focused on adding value in every possible way that I could. I, I really like that tip for uh, for my people because some of them don't necessarily have like massive social media followings or like all of these things that the new age entrepreneur feels like they need to have when in reality, all you need to do is just go out there and do exactly what Tiffany is talking about and provide value to people. Show up in the way that you know how to show up that can provide value to people. And that's how, you know, Tiffany has been able to build such a big business. And I'm sure she's going to be hitting six or going to be hitting seven figures here very soon because I know she's doing all of the amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I like, yeah, you don't, you totally do not need a big following. Like I only just hit 5,000 people on Facebook like last week. So you can, you know, it's, I'd rather have, and I know that this is said a lot on social media, I genuinely mean it. Like I would rather have 10 people who are evangelical and tell everyone about me than 10 people or a hundred people who are like, eh, it's all right. Yeah. And that's something that can be like a mental block for us sometimes. I know it was a little bit of a mental block for me before I started this podcast, actually, because I was like, well, I have, you know, 2,500 people on Instagram or whatever, you know, and it's like, who actually cares? Who's actually going to want to listen? And it turns out that there actually are a lot of people that care and a lot of people that want to listen, you know, and it's, it has nothing to do with the number and everything to do with the quality of those people. Absolutely. And then I would say like the second biggest tip that I could give people is just put yourself out there. Like you have no idea who will say yes to you. And I think a lot of people get put in this position of, well, they'll probably just say no to me anyway. So I'll just, I don't want to waste my time. The thing is like, even if they say no to your pitch, you get better at pitching. Right. Like recently, um, I spoke at one of Marshall Silver's events last March, March this past year. And um, he has another event coming up next week. And I said, oh, I'd really like to present, but like, just maybe I'll just, I'll just wait and see if he asks me. And then I was like, no, like, when have I ever lived from a, I'll just wait and see if they come to me perspective? Like, just go for it. Right. People, people don't know who you are until you put yourself in front of them. And just because they say no once doesn't mean that they won't follow you or they won't watch. Like I had a call this morning with this guy who's an eight figure business owner and 
and he was like, you know, I hate coaches and I hate the coaching industry and I've been doing a lot of research on you and like, you're super legit and I want to do some work with you in some way. And I was just like, okay. And this is somebody who's worked with like Robert Kiyosaki and Tony Robbins. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yes, please. <laughs> like, let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, just, just ask for the conversation or ask, ask for the opportunity. And it, the like, literally the worst thing they can do is say, no, you're, you know, you're not going to spontaneously combust. Your arms and legs won't fall off. You will live to see another day. Just, you know, be willing to put yourself out there because you can't, nobody can say yes if you don't either. Yeah. There's no opportunities if you just stay in your safety zone. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So putting yourself out there, it can be really scary sometimes. What do you, what do you do to like combat the fear that comes up or did come up? Um, I actually spent a lot of time getting intentional. When I moved back from Australia, I realized that I hadn't necessarily always operated within my personal core values in business and in life down there. And I went through this phase of being like really pissed off at myself that I allowed myself to be put in a position where I could be manipulated to act outside of integrity or, or things like that. And then I realized that I didn't actually know what my core values were. I hadn't taken the time to like really connect with them. So I'm super clear about what my mission in this life is. Like my mission in this life is to empower 1 million people to live an intentional life that's aligned with the truth of their soul. And I connect with that every single day and every single decision that I make is based on that. So when it's an issue of like, oh, I have to go live, but I don't have makeup on. Well, does the, ma does the message matter or the fact that I don't have mascara on? Like, what is more important right now, the mission or looking good on camera, right? So, and I get just as many views when my hair's up and my makeup's not on as I do if I'm like all dressed to the nines. So I think if, when you get really intentional about your life and like, like we talked about before with the mentor, when you know why you're doing things, then the fear kind of just disappears because all of a sudden the other side of it, the not doing it has way more fear and negativity attached to it than the possibility of like failing or rejection or whatever. So like for me, if I think about not empowering those million people, I like, I feel my soul dying. One of the ways that I motivated myself when I first came back and I was having one of those days of like, ah, oh, nothing's happening as fast as I want it to. And like, can I really keep going with this? Was I'd go on indeed.com and I'd start looking at job postings and then I'd be like, right back to work. <laughs> like any day I was just like, oh, I don't want to. I'd just like pull up indeed on my phone or on my laptop. And then I'd be like, oh my God, the nine, the nine to five hell that's waiting on the other side of this is far scarier than anything that could happen in taking a risk in my business. Well, and so. sometimes we forget the other side too, because I've definitely been in that place as well where I'm like, wait, okay, so you guys want, you know, 10,000 years of school and you're paying $11 an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it just, yeah. So know what your intention is like for your life. Like get really clear about what you want your legacy to be. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or how much, you know, how old you are. Just get really intentional, uh, intentional about what this life means for you. And the fear doesn't really kick in so much anymore. So what if you're kind of struggling to find what your intention is and you just feel like you're kind of lost in life, just moving through the motions? How would you suggest to start the process of getting clear? That's a great question. What I do with my clients is I actually get them to close their eyes and visualize that they are a fly on the wall at their funeral. That's, that's what I get them to do. And I get that it's kind of morbid at the same time. It's like super powerful because like, do you want people at your funeral who are there just because they have to be? 
because it's the thing to do when somebody dies or do you want people there because they're celebrating the impact and like you don't necessarily like the intention that I just told you that's like my eighth rewrite of it <laughs> the first the first time I did this for myself I had to like it was not that clear I just had a feeling and I would move towards that feeling of like impact and change and like empowerment really is ultimately what it is and so it's okay if you can't verbalize it straight away like the words will come i think we get caught in this place of like it's not real if i can't verbalize it but your feelings are real so just like know the feeling and work towards that every day what's the feeling that you want to leave each and every person you come into contact with and then start working from that place i like it and it is a process you know you've kind of been on this personal growth journey now for a decade, right? So it's, yeah. it's not something that you're going to just one day be like, Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And the things that you love doing, like they'll work into it in some way. I've had so many coaches and mentors tell me like, you just have to, you have to pick one thing you have to pick, like you can't work with general population and corporate and athletes. You just if you want to be successful, you have to pick one. And my thing is, my one thing is empowering them to live an intentional life. Like the message that I talk about to all of them is the same. That's my one thing. So I just, you know, that's all that that matters is that that's the message I'm sharing. And all the things that I love, the yoga, the acro yoga, courses, meditation, travel, like all of that will find a way to manifest in your purpose and in the things that you love. You just have to figure it out. You, you just have to know that feeling that you're working towards and the puzzle pieces will click. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I've been told very similar because I have all of the passions and all of the ideas <laughs> and that's something that I allowed to hold myself back for a very long time, not realizing that actually, you know what, this feels good. So this is okay. And sometimes yeah. that whole logic thing, which <laughs> I am very logical um, in nature and that's logic brain has held me back a lot and I feel like that's one of the biggest things that's holding back other people as well is feeling that it has to be a certain way all of the big big teachers are talking about niching down getting super super specific when we forget that we can be specific in our messaging and the way that we deliver our message, the way that I deliver my message is going to be completely different than the way that you deliver your message. However, we're both saying the same things, and that's our niche, ourselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's going to be people who are attracted to your story more than they're attracted to mine, right? And that's cool. As long as they're going on the journey of empowerment, I actually tell my clients, like, we have to have an initial session first before we decide to work together. Because if you don't feel like you can open up to me or you don't like me or you trigger me or I trigger you, then this won't work. So, we, you know, I would rather have that time to have a quick chat with you and make sure that, like, we are comfortable with each other before we move into anything. But, yeah, I've had so many people, like, your coaching business will not be successful if you're doing all of these things. And I'm like, I like to prove people wrong. So game on. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> That's right. All right, Tiffany. So the time has gone by very quickly. Um, but if there was one final thought, one last note that you want to leave the listeners with, that they only get one thing out of this whole talk, um, what would that be? That you are far more powerful than you even realize. And I think we kind of, we have like this feeling of like, oh, well, if I heal this thing, then I know that I wouldn't be dragging this weight around with me through life. 
you don't realize how quickly you get propelled forward when you start that healing journey. There's a quote by Thomas Edison that says, if we were to do all the things that we were truly capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. And it like, I look at it every day because it's so true. Like we just, we have zero idea what our true potential is and how much power we have. Uh, that's so good. That's a perfect ending note. Um, okay, <laughs> Tiffany. So where can people find you? They want to watch your daily she puts out live videos every day pretty much and is always sharing amazing content where can they find you so all the links to my social media are on my facebook page or on my website bluelotusmind.com blue like the color lotus like the flower mind like your brain um or facebook.com forward slash blue lotus mind Lovely. And then I will share a, a link to all of her links <laughs> in the show notes in the description as well. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for taking time out of your day to share your message and to come on the show with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to leave us a review and share this episode with someone who needs to hear this message. That's how our podcast grows. Are you curious about learning more about harnessing the power of your subconscious mind? Then join the free Rewire Challenge where we dive deep into the subconscious mind, how it works, and give you some tangible action steps to begin rewiring it to serve you. Go to bit.ly slash rewire challenge. That's bit.ly slash rewire challenge. Until next time, I'm your host, Jamila Bernie signing out.